Bandwidth for all shows on the Aussie Tech Heads network is supplied by Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting. For a fast, affordable and reliable Australian server with fantastic support, contact Aussie Tech Heads Web Hosting at aussietechheads.com.au. Aussie Tech Heads, Australia's best hosting service. Welcome to another episode of Aussie Tech Heads. Yes, we're back for another week. Uh, what a what a wonderful week. It's very hot right around Australia, no doubt. Uh, so take care in the heat and uh, watch those electricity bills, eh? ATH is brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. And if you like a nice little uh, blog or uh, business webpage, you know where to come and host it. The uh, servers are in Australia, so they're nice and fast. athwebhosting.com.au. Come down from six or from five dollars ninety five a month. Normally you'd, you'd go for six ninety five a month. That gives you you know just enough to play with. So from about seven bucks a month, uh, you be sweet, hey. You be sweet. Cool. Uh, and also, uh, yes, uh, streaming around Australia on the Phase FM 104.5 network. You can grab the uh, live stream if you've got a tune in radio on your iPhone or Android, or if you want to go to the phasefm.com.au website, or oh, just tune it in on the radio around regional Australia. Cool. Go to the website, find location, and away you go. Okay, let's meet who we've got on the panel here tonight. We've got uh, Jason, better known as Warlock, from the Obsidian Loft. How you doing, uh, Jason? <laughs> hey, you remembered. Pretty good, thanks. I did. How is the Obsidian Lock going, Loft? Yeah, great. We had our second podcast this week on Monday and uh, had one of my good friends, uh, Rob Thomas, who runs Australia's biggest Minecraft server, and it's also the oldest Minecraft server on the internet. And uh, had a nice interview with him and a little bit of a tour around his server. So that was really great. No, oh, yeah, nice work. Nice work. Now, where, where can we find the Obsidian Loft? Because it's uh, episode two and uh, it's all about Minecraft. Yep. And what, what do you guys do? What do you and Will do? Just play the game or, and just chat about it? Well, we uh, talk about news of any updates that have come out for uh, the vanilla Minecraft. Then we talk about updates for a server derivative called uh, Bucket. There's a, another one of that called Spigot. And then uh, the Feed the Beast uh, mod pack, which we run as well. We talk about any news updates for that. Then we give a bit of a tour around what we've been doing, talk about our adventures for the last week or so. Nice. And um, have a bit of a look around and maybe do some demonstrations of any updates and things like that. So right. Now, where, fun. where can we find Obsidian Loft? Did you say that? www.obsidianloft.com. Yes. You can also watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash theobsidianloft. Or get us in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Oh, good stuff. And also uh, joining us tonight is Shane. Hi, Shane. How are you going tonight? Well, this week. I'm doing I'm doing well. Um, been an interesting week. Lots and lots of uh, job interviews. Hopefully one of them will come off. Uh, good. Hopefully one of them will give me a job as well. Uh, <laughs> what else have I been doing? I've um, relaunched or, or got stuck into... Um, learning coding and all that kind of stuff and i've been having a look at php i've done a bit of coding in the past with uh html and javascript just with my uni courses or uni units and um 
looking at PHP. I've been listening on and watching the the videos that this guy in America um, produces. Oh, what's his name? Eli, the computer guy. He's um, he seems to know what he's talking oh, about. He's yeah. more of an administrator. Is he the bald guy? Um, yeah, yeah, the bald guy with a beard. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I've watched uh, a few of his on server 2012. And, uh, yeah, it's good. He's good. He's knowledgeable. He's good. Might have to get him for an interview then, maybe. <laughs> well, oh, he's, he's a smart cookie. Uh, I see he's got a Mac there, but he uses both, I think. So, well, you know, so that's good. All right, now, uh, look, let's uh, look every week. We get straight, we get stuck into the what's happened this week in tech history. And, <laughs> Shane, you always give us some gems. So uh, how about you kick us off this week and tell us some more gems. Give us another gem. Shine them up and throw them my way. Uh, well, I can't take all the credit because I am pinching them from um, Tom Merritt's chronology of tech. That's right. He, so kudos he, to him. He pinched them from at the actual event. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think he was actually at all of them. Um, <laughs> February, 17, February 17, 2000. Microsoft released Windows 2000, the successor to Windows NT 4.0, final Windows release to display the Windows NT designation. But I don't remember seeing Windows 2000 as Windows 2000 NT. Windows 2000? Yeah. Does that sentence read that NT had the final NT designation or is it saying that 2000 had the final Windows NT designation. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever you want to make of it. Sorry, I've just, I've it just lost... It depends on you put the emphasis. <laughs> yeah, I've just lost the I show know, notes. They've just closed. Else. So, sorry. But keep going. Keep going. Well, uh, look, if you didn't understand that, uh, uh, rewind. <laughs> Next one. I'll, I'll motor on. <laughs> yes. February 8, uh, February 18, 1838, uh, in the small town of... Schurlitz of the Austrian Empire, Ernst Mack, was born. His work in aerodynamics and supersonic speeds led to the unit of measurement that bears his name. He would die one day after his birthday in 1916. So oh, geez, hence the, the terminology Mac 1, Mac 2 and so on. Oh, right. How's that? Dying one day after your birthday. We don't have long. Okay, and next one. <laughs> uh, scrolling down a bit. Uh, February 20, 2004, Apple first, Apple's first iPod Mini arrived in Apple retail stores and online. Sweet. It was the first size variation of the iPod. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, now the, that's 2004, and now it looks like the uh, iPod is on the way out. Hmm. All right. Yes. Uh, yeah, next one. February 21, 1937, Waldo Waterman flew the first test flight of the Arrowbile or Arrowbill, and found the aircraft easier to fly and virtually spin and stall-proof. It is considered the first flying car, uh, f- flying car to successfully fly. Well, I thought, nah, that can't be right. That was 1937. So I actually uh, found a picture of it it's in the show notes. If you want to somehow kind of show people, if you oh, can, if they if they can see that. Oh, well, geez, what's going on? See, I try and do something tricky, and then everything goes crazy. There we go. Look, there we go. Look, it doesn't look like a car. It's got nothing. It doesn't look nothing like a car. It's a plane. The plane, the plane. (laughs) It's a plane. (laughs) All right, good on him. Uh, When were the the Wright brothers? They were early, around the turn of the century. 1903. Okay, right. All right, uh, finish us off, please, Zane. Take us from Waldo Uh, to... February 21, 1986. The Legend of Zelda, the first in the ongoing series, 
was released in Japan for Nintendo's Famicom console. Oh, wow. Legend of Zelda. I think I might have played that. Would I have played that on the Apple II? Maybe. Maybe. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Le- the Legend of Zelda. Warlock, you've been playing Legends of Zelda? You played that? No, I wasn't big into those games. I was more Commodore 64. Oh, right. Did you have a VIC-20? No consoles. I didn't get a uh, console until I got to Xbox 360 over there. But I had... Uh, oh, actually, I had a Nintendo Wii before that. Um, no, my first... Uh, First computer was a VZ200 from Dick Smith, Ooh. made by Video Technology with uh, ROM stolen from uh, TRS-80. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and um, then on to Commodore 64 and then IBM. Right. So you never had a games machine when you were a kid? No? We had um, a couple of little ones. There was one that had the paddles and um, you could have a car racing up the screen or a motorbike that went across the screen and across the screen, and then did a jump at the end. Oh, not Atari. Atari. Uh, some generic thing, I think it was. It was like 20 bucks from Kmart. So yeah. I got one. My cousin's got one. And before that, I had a black and white one that had Pong in different variations plus a light gun, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I think I've had the – I think we had the Pong. Well, I remember. must have been – oh, must have been back around 1975. I think it must have been that early <laughs> because it was uh, black and white, Pong, you know, just or tennis it was. Yeah, it just had the two paddles. You had the paddle, had the two lines up and down the side and the square ball going across yep. and, the, and, the, and the really big square, square sort of digits at the top as the score. But, yeah, that was a, uh, yeah, that's a long time ago. And then I had an Intellivision. So I really wanted an Atari, but uh, had an Intellivision instead. I Sorry. didn't know anybody who had an Atari. People talk about the 2600s and things like that, but not one person I knew had them. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, we had it on your, on your mate of mine had an Atari, and oh, we used to go around his house and just play that thing all day. That was great. That was brilliant. But, yeah, what about you, Shane? What, did you have a, what game console did you have when you were a kid? No, I'm a bit like Warlock. I use computers for the real work. Um, <laughs> no, I used, uh, I had a TRS-80. So you didn't have I a computer a... then? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I had a TRS-80 and I had a um, Commodore 128D and then I jumped into the IBMs after that. Yeah, right. Wow. I think, well, I didn't get it my own personal computer. My first one was an Apple IIe and, uh, yeah, no, an Apple IIc, sorry. And then, yeah, but anyway, that's, uh, you know, that's how it goes. I think the first computer I played with was a Micro B and, um, yeah, good Me stuff. Me too. Microbeat. Memories like the corners of our minds. Yeah, good stuff. One of my friends bought a Microbeat last year or the year before. They got a new one out. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Good stuff. Microbeat Premium. Hmm. All right. We'll just stop there for a second. Save. It can't still be a green screen. Surely they've gone gooey. (laughs) I can show. um, I just uh, was talking to somebody about it recently, and they're like, no, you're joshing me, aren't you? And I'm like, no, for real, they've got a uh, premium plus kit. Uh, put the link. Oops. What's happening there? That The recording went funny. It's a bit delayed and I don't like that. Is that your mobile going off, Glenn? <laughs> it was. Oh, phone, mobile. Everything. <laughs> Everything. It's, and it makes you lose concentration. So thankfully yeah. at the 10 minutes. It's got uh, dual Z80 microprocessors, 2 megs of RAM, original microB case, full keyboard, Ethernet port. 
everything. Now I'm just going to try. Something's happened with my PowerPoint. Oh. Sorry. So I'm just going to try and open up my PowerPoint. But you get the. So old... has it got its own operating system, or is it a derivative of something else? Or I'm not sure about OS. I think it's it might be a Linux. Yeah, it says UC Linux and Z80 mode microB shell. Now I've got a question for you, actually. How's this? For, <laughs> how's, how's this for a question? Seeing that we're supposed to be tech heads around here, I want to know, and maybe PA in the lounge. I want to know how can you tell what version of an operating system it is? Say Windows, is it thirty-two or sixty-four without booting it? Can't do it. You can't, or, yeah. or mate, you can't get anything out of it. You mean you just want to put it in another machine and look at the hard drive files and see a file in there that says 32-bit microprocessor or something? No, I want to, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. why but you want to turn the machine off, remove the hard drive, throw it in the bin and go, I wonder what was on that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, I'll tell you why I wanted to, what I want to know is because... I'm trying to open this PowerPoint. Oh, finally. Is because uh, I've got a computer with the AFP virus on it and I've got a, uh, a thing to get rid of it. But the thing is, because, you know, you put your USB... Oh, frig off! Right. Now, <laughs> the USB in the side of it. And, uh, you know, because it boots up on the USB before it gets to the, you know, Windows. Uh, but it, there's a 64 and a 32-bit version, depending on what Windows you got. But you can't boot the Windows because you get the AFP thing. 64-bit, I would say, because it can do 32-bit stuff anyway. But it shouldn't matter because the, um, the operating system running off the USB is going to be 32 or 64, and it should be irrelevant what the OS on the drive is. I, don't, uh, I guess maybe they're, maybe they're going for some sort of weird file structure unless it, the 32-bit doesn't understand NTFS or something. But other than that, it doesn't really make sense. Mm. I've been lucky. I've been guessing correctly. The last few times, because then I reboot it. Doesn't it. Matter. <laughs> That's why you've been getting lucky, because they all work. But I would say, when in doubt, go 64, because that can do 32 and 64. Mm. I saw the doctors. Yay, there they go. Um, yes, okay, yeah, well, I've been putting 64, but when I've taken the virus off and rebooted, I've checked to see what it was, and it's ah, 64, yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay, cross me a little 10 minutes off. Okay, let's uh, come back to... Okay, I've got a game story. Where's my show notes? Sorry, little interruption. I'm sort of... Am I back? Am I back? I'm still delayed. That's shit. I don't know what to do because that's going to stuff up the video. Uh, how would I fix that in a, in a hurry? I probably can't. <coughs> Sorry, people. Glenn's our new intern for the week. <laughs> We've never done this before. It's our first time. One, Be gentle. One, 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 two, two, two. Oh, yeah, I don't care. It'll be out of sync. Who cares? Okay. Oh, hopefully it won't be, but we'll see how it goes. Now, where's my show notes? Because I can just taste that beer, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh... So if you drink now and you get really drunk, it wouldn't matter if it was out of sync or not. You wouldn't notice. No, maybe I should put that on the on the bottom of the YouTube uh, to be watched drunk. <laughs> That's a new Isn't rating. That how you watch all YouTube? 
<laughs> yeah, the, the, the PSD rating. Yeah, just uh, yeah. watch pissed. <laughs> All right, uh, okay. How many people can play the same video game together, I ask you? Well, 80,000? Uh, have any of you guys seen... Did you guys read this story when I pulled this up in the show notes? Jace, yeah. 80,000 people. Now, I'm going to tell you how, how this is possible. Uh, with the help of social media robot, more than 80,000 people are currently trying to play Pokemon, a version of Pokemon Red Blue. I don't know what the Red Blue is, but um, well, the image I've got is black and white. I don't know about Red <laughs> Blue. But anyway, it's a 1990s game for Nintendo Game Boy. It's been streaming on Twitch TV, Jace. Twitch TV, yep. an online video platform devoted uh, to gaming for the past five days. Now, what's going on here is uh, a user known only as the gamer tag as Twitcher Plays Pokemon set up this social experiment to accept chat commands as the equivalent of button pushes. Can you believe this? People are smart, aren't they? Uh, yeah, so, right. <laughs> so if you're, you, so you're saying you're typing up, moves your character up. You, you type down in the chat, uh, moves the character down. And so forth. So, but what the problem has been is that there's tens of thousands of people going up and down and <laughs> up and down and left and right and left and right. So the, apparently the little dude's been spazzing out a bit, you know, in, in the one spot. <laughs> but he's managed to walk a couple of steps. So, uh, yeah, so the, the resulting movements, yeah, although the, the uh, where, where are we up to? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so he's spazzed out. He's moved a couple of steps. Uh, the page has been viewed more than 10.6 million times with the number of active users peaking at about 81,000. Wowzers. That's not too bad. That's not no too wonder bad. he can't cope up. <laughs> Multiple personality disorder. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> But how's that 80,000? Who would have thought that was possible? Maybe you could put that into Minecraft. Would that work with yeah. Minecraft? <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't get too far either. I think the server exclude. Yeah, he probably would. Your, your little uh, yeah, Obsidian Lobster. You're, you're, you're not uh, Twitch Plays Pokemon, are you, Jace? No, no, not me. <laughs> Sounds like a fun experiment, though. Yeah, so have a look at that. Look, uh, show notes, uh, aussietechheads.com.au forward slash podcast. If you want to, there's a link to the story, which you'll be able to find the actual game if you want to join in and spaz the little dude out some more. Uh, just go and have a look. Yes, yeah, sweet as. I've never played Pokemon, never collected the cards or anything. I think it was a bit uh, after my time. All right, uh, uh, blah, blah, Jace. What have you got for us this week? Well, the biggest announcement for this week is Facebook is going to buy WhatsApp for $19 billion. Oh, goodness. That's a <laughs> that? Facebook Incorporated will buy a fast-growing mobile messaging startup. Now, you remember they turned down $3 million just recently, that some, uh, $3 billion that somebody offered them recently, and everyone's going, you idiots, you didn't take $3 billion. What's wrong with you? $19 billion US wow. in cash and stuff. The world's largest social network looks for ways to boost its popularity, especially among the younger crowd. Uh, the acquisition of the hot messaging service with more than 450 million users around the world stunned many Silicon Valley observers with its lofty price tag. It underscores Facebook's determination to win the market for messaging, an indispensable utility in a mobile era. Combining text messaging and social networking, messaging apps provide a quick way for smartphone users to trade everything from brief text to flirtatious pictures to YouTube clips by passing the need for wireless carriers for messaging services. Now, we use uh, WhatsApp at work in our office because uh, if any of the guys 
on our team uh, running a bit late due to train problems or they're sick or something like that, they can just send a message to the team. And we've made a group that's got everybody in our um, team in it. Mm. They just send the one message running late, be there half an hour late. And then uh, we know if any customers turn up looking for them, we can say, yeah, sorry, the train's got a bit of a problem, but it should be here in half an hour. So I think that's good. But uh, the interesting story to go with that is the guy who's uh, created WhatsApp originally applied for jobs at uh, both Twitter and Facebook and got turned down wow. because they said he wasn't good enough. Oh. And then uh, so he went away, wrote, <laughs> wrote WhatsApp, <laughs> came back, and they bought it off him for $90 billion. Well, he was, so, uh, yes, well, who's the winner there? <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. And, yeah, so I suppose, like, these guys, they probably stay in. Even though Facebook's bought it, like, he would still have a job, like, developing yep. WhatsApp, if he wanted it, I mean. Like, but $19 yep. billion. Would, So how many... Founded by uh, Brian Acton and Jan Coombe. And if you have a look around uh, the web, you'll find screenshots of Brian Acton's posts on there saying... Tried for a job at Facebook but got turned down, sad face, and it was like 2009. Hmm. And then also applied for a job at Twitter, didn't get it, but um, probably would have been a bit of a trip for me to get there anyway. So it doesn't matter. I'll move on, see what I'm going to do in the future. Yeah, right. Oh, well, there you go. That's good. That's just better than the lotto, isn't it? Because I've got another, acquis- <laughs> got another acquisition story to follow on from that, actually. Uh, Google buys sound authentication firm Slick Login. I don't know if, and I've never heard of it. But anyway, Google has acquired Slick Login, and it's an Israeli startup uh, behind the technology that allows websites to verify users' identity by using sound waves. So how this works is that it's uh, playing, it plays a uniquely generated, nearly silent sound through your computer speakers, which is picked up by an app on the user's smartphone. Mm. The app analyzes the sound and sends a signal back to confirm the identity. Uh, the technology can be used either as a replacement for a password or as additional security layer. Now, something I didn't know was that Google was the first company to offer two-step verification to everyone for free. Uh, they're working on some great ideas that will make the internet safer for everyone. Oh, blah, blah. Yeah, internet's good. Google's good, all that rubbish. Uh, Slick Logon confirmed the acquisition on its website, but it did not provide any financial data of the deal as it always is. So um, anyone here heard of Slick Login? Only this week with this announcement, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, you're up to speed. See, the show, the show is beneficial to all. Uh, Shane, slick login or any comments on those previous two stories? Uh, yeah. Um, there was something else that's come out of Israel that's fairly popular and common, and I can't think of the name of it. Isn't Instagram, wasn't Instagram developed by Israelis? Don't know. Scud missiles. I don't know. That's all no, I know that the um, Windows defragger application was, and a lot of countries wouldn't take Windows because it had a defragger that was made by an Israeli. He might be hacking into our systems using a backdoor or something. <laughs> I know that the Israeli um, IT kind of community and scene and everything is, is quite quite big and, and getting bigger and getting more popular, and, and they seem to you know, definitely know what they're doing. They're not kind of, you know, just backyard kind of teenagers oh, look, just no. doing stuff. Those guys, uh, they're charging along in the IT field. They're into Intel. In, a lot of Intel stuff going on, as in Intel, the chip maker. A lot of Intel stuff going on over there. They're, those guys are smart. Those guys are just hitting it. Yeah, they're, they're really smart. There's a lot of good stuff coming out of Israel. Uh, do you reckon that we can go a week? How many weeks is it going to be uh, that, we, that we do the show before we hit a week that has not got a story about Flappy Bird? 
I know Flappy Bird has been everywhere since it's, it's taken been... over the world. I know. Did you see the multiplayer version? Oh no. <laughs> multiplayer online. So it's got this guy made a version of Flappy Bird. Same graphics and everything, but. When you're flapping your bird along, you can see other players who are playing the same app and see their birds going. So you see like 500 birds trying to flap through the things at the same time. Oh, it hasn't, hasn't, hasn't got nothing on that uh, 80,000 Pokemon. <laughs> Imagine no. 80,000 flappy bird people trying to push him up and through and, and all that. Your iPad it exclude. <laughs> but uh, but any, also this week, I think we mentioned this on uh, the Aussie Max Zone, uh, which you can find on iTunes and also on the Phase FM on Sunday, I think that, uh, that we are. Uh, then Sesame Street makes a new game based on Flappy Bird. Uh, but yeah, but as we mentioned on the Aussie Mac zone, uh, the, the Google and Apple are, are you know, they're, they're not allowing developers to publish games with Flappy in the title. So I don't know. They reckon they should be more original. Yeah. More original you can do an app that looks and works the same way, but you just can't call it Flappy. A friend of mine just released, um, I think it was Flap Cake. And it's got a slice of cake with wings on it that flaps and goes through basically the same sort of thing. But it doesn't have flappy. It's oh. just flap cake. Well, what so. about, so this one that I'm going to bring up here, uh, Sesame Street, Flappy Bert. Flappy Bert. So, <laughs> yeah, so Flappy Bert has been now downloaded more than 50 million times, making it the... Oh, no, Flappy Bird, sorry. Not Flappy Bird. Flappy Bird <laughs> has been downloaded more than 50... I'm looking at that going, woo! Uh, more than 50 million <laughs> times, making it the year's most popular mobile game so far. Uh, in an interview with Forbes, the guy, the poor guy, he's stressed. The poor guy. The 20-year-old stressed developer said that Flappy Bird was designed to play in a few minutes when you are relaxed, but it happened to become an addic- addictive product. I think it become a problem. To solve that problem, it's best to take Flappy Bird down. He didn't have to play. Couldn't he turn his phone off? Take him down. Yeah. yeah couldn't he? he was making $50,000 a day from advertising well, revenue. Well, somebody um, extrapolated some numbers on the back of a napkin to say, we reckon that if he had been doing this kind of advertising with this network and sold as many uh, copies of the app and enough people clicked on it, he could be making about 50000 a day. But nobody knows for sure exactly what he was making. So... <laughs> Yeah, but so, uh, yeah, he didn't. He did. He did say that he needed to pull it down because it was getting a bit much, too yeah. much attention. Well, well, that's a good rumor in it. Fifty grand, fifty grand a day. So, like, you no. know, yeah. How long was it up for? Does anyone know? It was a couple of weeks, or a month? Yeah, thought, a couple you know, of weeks. But there's also a lot of uh, concern about the early reviews of it were almost exactly the same. First several hundred reviews, like he'd gone to a. Um, a dodgy company and said can you get me you know a couple of hundred reviews here's a couple of grand and oh. and they use a bunch of bots on the internet which which is a option that some developers use to uh, download your app and then auto post a review on it mm, naughty naughty so uh, they said you have a look when it first came out there was nothing 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 then just before christmas there was like pasting like 20 views 20 reviews a day which were almost exactly word for word the same until uh, January when suddenly every, it rose to the top through the ranks because it's got more views and more downloads. And then suddenly everyone's like, oh, I wonder what this is because it's in the top whatever. So they mm. start downloading it, which, you know, yeah. snowballs after there. Yeah, it, comes, it hits the tipping point and then, then babushka. And Bab- real people are downloading it. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be babushka. That'd be a good word to have in a song. Yeah. Okay. That's the next 
10? Babushka, 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 yay, yay. Oh, babushka, babushka. You're cutting that, right? Babushka. Well, the video doesn't get cut. <laughs> so, sorry, PA. <laughs> Not only will you be an idiot on uh, the stream, it will be video as well. <laughs> All right. What's new? Sanity. That's right. Oh, yeah. What's new? What's news? Okay, so I've been an instant, uh, idiot on the internet since '92, so <laughs> nothing new yet. Okay, now Shane, you got a couple of stories. Uh, let's... Yeah, a couple. Okay, so we'll pick. Well, I'm going to come back. I'm going to have a talk about the Aussie Tech Radio, and then I will. Uh... <laughs> Hang on, get that out of the way. I like having these breaks. I can get a little bit prepared. Aussie Tech, what is it? Aussie Tech. I'm going to play it. I'm going to show people how easy it is. Oh, I won't push enter because it'll start playing, won't it? Okay, put me back. Can you get enough tech shows? Oh, I don't think you can. If you're looking for more, you can go to AussieTechRadio.com. That's A-U-S-S-I-E Tech. Uh, T-E-C-H radio.com and you can find some Shoutcast tw streaming 24-7 and it's got this show Aussie Mac Zone uh, techwebcast.info and there's there's also this week an interview with Jabba so jump on the techwebcast.info uh, or just listen in on the uh, Aussie Tech radio.com and you can have a listen to those shows they just repeat 24 7 for a week and the new shows every friday so look i'll show you how easy this is you just go to your browser it's easier on your phone you just download a shoutcast app or i think even you can do it with a, the tune in app I, I believe so you go to your aussietechradio.com and you push enter and look it'll start streaming straight away from the web page that's how that's how good it is now, now, hang on, let's have a listen. Bandwidth for oh, all shows on the Aussie we got Tech an ad Heads first. network is supplied by Aussie Tech Heads web hosting. Hey, on the show will start in a, a fast, sec. affordable and reliable Australian server with fantastic support. Contact Aussie Tech Heads that web hosting awesome. at AussieTechHeads.com.au. Aussie Tech Heads, He's going for Australia's a job at Channel 9. hosting service. All right, now, hopefully <laughs> something is going to happen. All right. Now we are playing. A couple of weeks. We've had a bit of. There we've we had go. a bit of Android news that we think it's about time that we cover. I should tonight. stop you here because I think this you've got to do the intro. About the Ozdroid podcast. You know, I think I did. I did, but you can talk <laughs> anyway because Dan has. And hello, Terence. So, yes, thank you. Uh, we don't know who any of those guys are, but uh, if you want to, uh, yeah. So there you go. That's how easy it is. AussieTechRadio.com. So just jump on there, shoutcast or off the web, and it's easy. Instructions on there if you want. Uh, all right, let's get back into some stories. Shane, where? What have you got for us today? Just in, in addition to that, um, you obviously accept other podcasts, the technology-related podcasts for the for that particular service, don't you? Yes, for sure, for sure. As long as they're uh, Australia, New Zealand, yes. For sure. And given that you don't know who the guys from Ozdroid are, obviously you don't really look into people's backgrounds or anything like that either. Well, I don't uh, know. The guy who runs it, I've known him for about 15 years. There you go. See, Chase does me, uh, me due diligence for me. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, reference checking. <laughs> so, what, did you grow up with him, Chase, or worked with him, or how's that come no, about? No, uh, from IRC, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's a friend who used to live in Melbourne. He lives in Sydney, and... Uh, we caught up a few times over lunch over the years, but yeah, um, nice. yeah, yep. he's so, all right. So he obviously likes doing the podcast because they've been going a while too. 
I don't think Chris is actually on the podcast, but he runs Android, the uh, Ozdroid site, and they've also got a, um, what do they call it, a charity where they raise money to help out the less fortunate for the Ozdroid uh, charity foundation, I think they call it, Ozdroid Foundation. Nice. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So there's heaps of, lots of different shows on there. So, um, yeah, cool. But, yeah, look, I did. I'd obviously, you know, I've conversed with them. I don't just go around taking shows off the net and putting them up. They, <laughs> I have conversed with them. They said, yes, that's okay. And so we play them. We play it for it. So uh, play play them for the show. Okay, uh, Shane, quick, take it, take me out of my tongue-tiedness. <laughs> All right, I'm going to um, go back to a topic we were talking about earlier when we were um, discussing gaming. Uh, I found a story about uh, the Valve and the, and the um, Steam gaming service. The story goes on to sort of say that if you use Steam for your games, there's a chance that Valve anti-cheat system has been taking a look at all the websites you visit and sending a list back uh, to its home base. No one knows why, why it's happening. Um, there's a couple of kind of speculations and that which I'll get to you later in the story but I, um, I don't know if this is a company or a guy it's SHG underscore N-A-K-T who claims to have found a suspicious little piece of code Ooh. that appears to mine your DNS cache for a list of domains Ooh. hash them and then send them back to Valve Ooh. you don't have to visit the site any query to the site um, any query to the site uh, image or a redirect or a file or anything like that will be added to the DNS cache Entries into the cache remain until they expire. It usually only takes a day and then they expire anyway. Steam and Valve uh, could be collecting a list of hashed domains from users to check them against the list of domains that are widely known for supporting cheating and hacking. The issue is that the issue that is, the issue is that I've got your disease. The issue <laughs> is that it is going on in the background. And the list of the domains is attached to your Steam ID, making it identifiable. The way Valve appears to be hashing isn't good either. Um, It's not really effective in the way that they're doing the hash. Uh, It goes on to say that you might not care if Valve knows what your favourite sites are, but if the US government comes knocking, then information isn't going to stay private for long. Valve hasn't made any comment on the uh, situation yet. Um, to counter the story, there was a, again, I don't know if this is a company or a guy, it must be a, a person, uh, Red Redditor Drakia, he goes by the name of, um, he's gone on to say that uh, I'm going to have to disagree with the assumptions made in this post. First, there's no proof that it's Steam actually doing it. Uh, this method does not send anything to Valve. He's had a look at the, this guy's a, a bit of a... Um, programmer and, and he reverse engineers a lot of code and that sort of thing. That's how come he's come to his, these conclusions. Oh, yeah. he's, um, he's, there's no proof that it's from Steam. The method does not send anything to Valve. The method grabs the DNS cache and it just hashes it, hashes the entries and then stores it. Uh, Valve, could be doing a, uh, Valve could be doing a local scan of the list and comparing it to an internal list of known sheets or subscription services. So they seem to agree on why potentially Steam and Valve are doing it to obviously stop people from cheating and hacking and that sort of thing. Yeah. But um, there's a bit of a disagreement on if it's happening and how it's happening it is. and that sort of thing. But a report just happening. came out that uh, Valve said they definitely are looking for cheats and they're checking the DNS cache to see 
what kind of uh, sites that you're going to that are known for hosting hacking information, hacking uh, applications. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll tell you another another CEO or another person that's not happy, and it's uh, our old friends over there at BlackBerry. And now this is quite funny. Like, well, there's not a there's not a lot of Australian stories this week, and apologies for that. Uh, but there just wasn't much happening. Uh, I, I found it difficult. So, but I just pulled out sort of the the funny ones. But uh, the boss of BlackBerry says he's outraged. He's outraged after T-Mobile in the US targeted his customers, offering them a free upgrade to an iPhone. <laughs> so bring your Blackberries in, and we'll give you an iPhone. Uh, Blackberry customers complained on social media. Oh, stuff is T-Mobile apologised for any confusion. Blah blah blah. Said it was happy to be a Blackberry partner. Yeah, well, yeah, right. Of course they'd have to say that. Like, but they're offering to trade in your Blackberries. Blackberry was once a dominant player in the smartphone market, but lost ground to Apple, Samsung, and the like. And now, just a couple of quick little. Uh, one little stat: the uh, it launched a new model BlackBerry in 2013 called the Z10, which it hoped would help revive its fortunes. But disappointing sales and poor financial results led to a company shakeup. So things aren't looking too good over there at the BlackBerry Castle of Woe. Oh. Yeah, they tried to make up for it. Um, the deal was that if you take any uh, working BlackBerry handset to T-Mobile store, you got $200 off any phone, and they're pushing the iPhone. So since uh, BlackBerry's like, oh, hey, what's going on? They said, oh, if you get a new BlackBerry, we'll give you an extra 50 bucks on top of that to make it 250 So hoping right. <laughs> get them off their backs. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, look, who knows? But, uh, but it, look, anyway, I'd go in. I'd take, the, I'd take the iPhone any day if I had a BlackBerry. You could, you could find a BlackBerry in the street these days, take it in and uh, upgrade. Good stuff. Dime a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'd take a feature phone over a BlackBerry these days. I take a Nokia fifty one ten. Okay, <laughs> they're all right. <laughs> all right. The black ones, right? They're all black. They're awesome. Oh, that was fifty ten e was black. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. we'll come back with. Let me go. Uh, I'm gonna put my little Facebook slides in here. Facebook. Anybody and... comes up with this story, I've got a counter story to go with it tonight. Or an update to your story. Mind you, you confirmed it. Yeah. With a what? Or an update to it, yeah. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. Well, I had an I'm update sure. to add on to Shane's one, and then I had an update about the BlackBerry story to add on to your one. Oh, you got an update? I I'll... did. That's what I was just saying, it, and you switched over to me. Oh, cool. Remember I said you get an extra 50 bucks yes. to try and make up for it because they got okay. they were cranky. Cool. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, yeah, if you want to catch us on Facebook, why not? Why not? Facebook.com forward slash Aussie Tech Heads. You want to catch us on YouTube.com forward slash Aussie Tech Heads or you catch uh, the webpage, uh, AussieTechHeads.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, something interesting that you might have seen if you if you're really, you know, you peer into the website every day and check it all out is on the AussieMaxZone.com.au. Uh, Michael, one of the hosts on the show, is also putting up a few little tidbit stories. Uh, every day, he's go, he goes out. He goes out into the wild, and he pulls back a couple of stories that have interested him. Uh, they're on the AussieMaxZone.com.au uh, webpage, just on that on that front page there. Uh, headlines, or you can click into uh, tidbits and uh, Apple News or something like that. You'll find it. But some Apple stories. But yeah, catch us on the Facebook, uh, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, the show is at Aussie Tech Heads. All right, uh, who's who's next? Jace, what else have you got? 
Communications Minister Malcolm Turnbull has said he has achieved a first for the Australian government in delivering My Broadband Sweet. at mybroadband.communications.gov.au, which is a new website that aims to provide information on the download speeds available across Australia. The website was launched today, accompanying a full report into Australian broadband quality and accessibility from the Department of Communications last year. My Broadband is similar to MBN Co's rollout tracker and allows users to put in their address and see what broadband is available in the area, be it ADSL, HFC or fibre, as well as 3G or 4G. It also provides an estimation of the available download speeds on those services. It will enable Australians to see how their neighbourhood rates in terms of internet connectivity, Turnbull told journalists in Sydney today, and everybody laughed and said, we already know how crappy it is in our area, but thanks for the <laughs> proof. Sweet. Because seriously, I mean, it's okay if you're going to move to a new area and you want to say, oh, well, if I go there, am I going to get HFC, fibre, cable? Am I going to get really crappy ADSL at uh, half a meg upload or something, download or something? So mm. I guess you can check where the bad areas to keep away from is what I think this tool will be used for. So look, at the, the, we're just. I'm just having a look at the web page here now. You put your address in there. So let's just go. Um, uh, you let's can even do it just like a suburb, common like, New South Wales or whatever, and oh, you I don't see. have to narrow it right down to your own street. All right. So let's, Eric's address in. No, he's, <laughs> he's not here. Uh, where is he? West Pimble or something. Let's have a look. Oh, what's all this say? Here it goes. Please, oh, please enter your full address. Just drag the red marker to somewhere nearby. That's yeah. close enough. The broadband availability in your area. What's so now it? you scroll down, get rid of that message disclaimer, and there so, you go. Fibre to the premises, not available. Hybrid fibre coax. A, that must be available. Yeah, so that's... No, A, B, C, D, E is how good it is. So if it's an A, it should be decent connection. If it's E, like down the bottom, it should be a really bad connection. Or asymmetric digital scrubber line ADSL. Well, there you go. Uh, PA, I know he's in the lounge. And do you know what the lounge is, guys listening out there? The lounge is you can watch us uh, record live, record the show live, go to the webpage to check that out. But PA, he's in the lounge most weeks and uh, he's got some slow ADSL at the moment. Maybe you could make use of that site, uh, PA, and I don't know. Use it in your defence, in, <laughs> in your arguments or whatever, <laughs> and de-stress. All right, uh, cool. Uh, Shane, what's Hello. That? What, what else is happening in the world? I've only got a couple of, whoops, I shouldn't have done that. I've only got a couple of little stories. Yes. So just give me a second where I go back to where I was. That's, picked up my tablet and I hit the wrong that's all button. Right. So just... I'm just, going, I'm just still uh, just playing with that site. I put my address in here, Rabina in Queensland. And, uh, yeah, what have I got? Well, I obviously know what I've got. Move the little red dot thing. And, uh, yeah, cable. There we go. Oh, I've got not about NA, NA, NA. Asymmetric ADSL A. Cool. And uh, You should get uh, Will to check it out after all the problems <laughs> he's been having. He'd be like, yep, it looks as crap as I've been experiencing it. Where is he? Ipswich. <laughs> Queensland. Let's have a look at Will. Poor Will. Poor Will. Where is Will? He's on holidays. Oh, look at yep. that. That map's disjointed. I mean, what a what a what a boundary. But anyway, are you ready, Shane? You just butt in when you're ready. We're just where I'm just yeah, no, good to go. Fill it in. All right, take us away. All right, just a little Google thing, just a little Google announcement for those Google people, especially Google developers amongst 
well, I was going to say us, but I'm not really there yet. Um, this year's <laughs> Google I.O. developer conference will be on June 24 and 25. Google is also making changes to the registration so that tickets won't sell out in seconds, explains Android boss Sundar Pichai, I think it's pronounced. You can submit your interest to attend Google I.O. 2014. Successful applicants will then randomly be selected and notified shortly thereafter. Mm, there you go. That's what it sounds like. What was that? There's a movie about Google that's just come out recently, wasn't there? Uh, about internship. Did anyone see that? That was good. I watched that. That was quite good. No one saw it? Okay. Uh, screens <laughs> to replace the... Moving Win- on. <laughs> well, yes, uh, straight away. Uh, screens, to, uh, screens are going to replace Windows on a brand new supersonic S512 jet. How's this rubbish? A company building a supersonic jet says it plans to reduce cabin windows within with thin display screens embedded in the wall. Wowzers. Cameras recording outside the aircraft will display pictures on the screens. Well, why not just play Doctor Who or something? Why would you want to look outside? <laughs> you know what outside looks like. Uh, Spike Aerospace. Well, here's a picture of the plane. How's that going? Uh, Spike Aerospace, which is designing the plane, says drag will be reduced by removing the windows, which causes significant challenges in designing and constructing an aircraft fuselage. The S-512 supersonic jet is not expected to launch until 2018. So that's, uh, yeah, look, we're just looking at pictures here of the inside with the screens down the wall. I suppose, what would you liken that to? It's uh, very roomy. I doubt that's going to be what it looks like inside. It looks like uh, you sit at a restaurant, on, maybe on a revolving restaurant, and it's just a big glass window just wrapping sort of to one side of you, if that makes any sense. But anyway, if you want to know what that looks like, go to the show notes. Screens to replace uh, windows on the S512 Supersonic Jet. Look, it's going to be pretty good. I- I'd like to see that. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. All right, uh, Jace, what else you got for us, please? Well, we've been talking a lot about the new digital currencies like uh, Bitcoin and Dogecoin, all based on a technology called Litecoin. Well, now you can buy hardware specifically designed to do all the calculations. Uh, For people who don't know, it's a new digital currency. It's only a few years old. Um, Bitcoin is, and uh, you can use it to uh, purchase things. But the way you get it is to run an application on your computer preferably on the graphics card because it's got more grunt than the CPU these days and it does uh, really complex mathematics and once it's uh, crunched out the numbers it sends the information upstream and it can generate fractions of a Bitcoin these days. You used to be able to get a Bitcoin every now and then but now it can take weeks so you have to join a team to crunch out the numbers but now they're making hardware specific, specially designed to mine digital currencies like Litecoin. It's going on eBay for nearly double its retail price. Alpha Technology announced back in November that it would be one of the first firms to build commercially available ASIC mining devices for cryptocurrencies like Litecoin and Dogecoin with releases due this year. Its Viper script miner, able to mine digital coins at previously unheard speeds, is now listed at $16,400 on eBay despite not even being released. The company's website prices the device at £5,450 and says the hardware is coming soon. Though it's already described as being out of stock after eager miners pre-ordered it. eBay user Rob Rubberman put his own pre-order device up on eBay this month with the message, you're now looking at the fastest script mining rig available on the market. Nothing else comes even remotely close to it. So they're going all hardcore out for this uh, Bitcoin stuff. Yeah. So why can't the creators of the script or whatever, the creators of Litecoin and stuff, 
what is is the is the answer to the algorithm even just beyond their reach as well? Is it that like tight that you know? No, one... there's no. Um, it's not really an answer to an algorithm. What they did was they created a finite number of coins and said we're never ever going to make any more than that. Say, you know. 24 trillion coins or something right. but when people started mining at first they're like okay because there's hardly anyone here we'll let people get it easier but the longer the time goes on the more complex that and the longer it takes to generate generate parts of a bitcoin and then you can do fractions of a bitcoin and a fraction of a fraction of a fraction and in fact if mm. you're buying and selling services you could sell a service for like uh, one one thousandth of a bitcoin or something like that depending on the value of your service when the bitcoins at the moment are somewhere between six and seven hundred dollars US, so um, so if can, you're only doing a three hundred dollar job, it's half a bitcoin. You're doing a you know hundred fifty dollar job, it's quarter of a bitcoin, and yeah, right. you can chop it up like infinitely. Oh really? So oh okay, right. Oh that's a, that's okay. So yeah okay, because I know last week you spoke about the ATM, the Bitcoin ATM, apparently getting rolled out in the US. Uh, yeah, so that's okay. Yeah, so that makes it, I understand it a bit more now. So you could, so I could say to you, well, Jace, for me um, doing this for you, uh, I'm going to charge you like uh, one sixtieth of a bitcoin. Yeah. So wow. And then I keep, I I keep that in my digital wallet, which is on my computer. Nobody else gets access to it, and uh, I use the internet to send it to your address, and uh, you you generate a uh, bitcoin wallet uh, number which uh, identifies yours for depositing. So uh, you give that to somebody else and say, pay me on this number and you type it into your Bitcoin app and it'll pay it through the internet to your wallet. And you have to be careful to keep a copy of that because if your hard drive dies, all your Bitcoin's gone because they're not stored anywhere else except for the hard drive on your computer. Oh, well, Will knows all about that. Yeah, poor Will. He had about six, he reckoned, and <laughs> lost his drive or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Poor Will. Poor Will. Are we having a break? Yes. Because I just had a look at that broadband webpage thingy. Yeah. What, How you doing? What's the, what's the theoretical download speed for ADSL? 24. Okay. Because it says in my area, the estimated median, which means kind of like middle of the road, um, ADSL speed for your area is 22.69. He goes on to say, in, like when you hover over it, some people might get faster, some people might get slower. <laughs> Depends on how close you are to exchange. Do you know how close your exchange is? I'm, I hang off of a, an exchange in a suburb called Bassendine, but I'm actually closer to another exchange that's in a different suburb. So I don't know why I go off the exchange. I, I go off. But how far uh, are you probably, from that exchange? I think I did check it. I think it was probably 7Ks or something. Oh, that's a long way. You're lucky to be getting one meg up yeah, and down. That's a long leg down way. On me. Usually, anything over about two or three k's is extremely bad. I'm about oh, okay. I was about two from mine, and I was getting about six to nine. Yeah. Tell you who'd be good to ask. Pa, he knows all about ASL speed. Yeah, <laughs> there's a guy that um, I was supporting. Sorry, at, PA. Um, whatever company it is that I work at supporting which other ever company. And uh, this guy got ADSL and everybody there is doing work from home. So uh, they dial into their ISP and then connect via VPN into the office and then they've got soft phones, so they, IP soft phones, so they can answer calls that people call on a normal number and it goes into a pool and gets sent out to whoever's logged in on their system. And he was wondering why the calls kept dropping out. So I went and did a speed test and I was like, dude, 
the reason the calls are dropping out is because your internet is really crud. I'm like, how far are you away from the exchange? Oh, about four or five kilometers. I'm like, oh, you're lucky you can even get a connection to the server, let alone keep it going during a phone call while your computer is there downloading hundreds of megs of updates, software updates, Windows updates, and all this in the background and oh, yeah. checking your email through Outlook and all this other stuff at the same time. Mm, that's right. Just can't um, cope. Mm, He's like, what's my solution? Move closer to the exchange. <laughs> that's right. Move. Oh, I can't wait for the MBN. Oh, geez, we've got 20 minutes. I'm out of stories. Well, I think everyone's out of stories. Jason's got a couple more. i got one. Oh, i got a... One, two, three, four. You guys can uh, jump in and grab one of the ones that I haven't done each if you want. All right, we'll see how we fly. Otherwise, I'm going to be yakking my ass off for the next 20 <laughs> minutes, which I don't mind, but I don't know how the viewers and listeners go with it. All right. Uh, let's... I'm about 5Ks away, according to Google Maps. Right. That's too far. Oh, not really. It goes, it goes. It'll be even further than that via cable as well mm. because the cables don't go direct line from... One to the other, they snake through the streets. So mm. you probably oh, even yeah, no, more than Google, five. Google Maps is the street thingy as well, because obviously it goes how a car would go. Yeah, it doesn't mean the cables go where the car goes either. No, true. All right, let's keep on keeping on. Um, right out of a leaf of a Doctor Who comes something else. Shane, save the date. What is this all about? Save the date is about the launch date for the upgrade or the next release or next version of the phone that I use and I think the phone that Wallet uses as well. The HTC One Two, if you can follow that, uh, is set for a March release date. HTC has just announced the release date of its upcoming flagship device known by rumours as the HTC One Two or the HTC M8 um, for March 25th. Originally right. thought to be announced at next week's Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. Barcelona. Uh, it seems that HCC's follow-up to its successful one has been delayed, allowing Samsung to get its Galaxy S5 out into consumer hands first. The One 2 is rumoured to pack a similar aluminium casing as last year's design, but with a slightly bigger display, around about 5 inches. It's expected to come loaded with Google's latest Android 4.4 KitKat operating system, uh, covered with HTC Scent Skin. One interesting rumour has shown in leaked photos is um, the inclusion of a second rear camera. It's understood that it isn't for 3D photos, but will be the first phone to use dual camera technology to improve focus and overall image quality. Mm, interesting. So, so you guys have got the HTCs. I, I look, I've just flashed up there the on the. I've got a picture here, Shane. You put in the show notes of must be the invitation. Uh, you know, save the date invitation from HTC must be like some sort of press release. All I can say is it's very Apple-like in uh, as far as the colouring, which is plain. It's a lot of white. Uh, the, the trying to be arty farty, but I just don't know if it actually works. And trying to be you know, mysterious, which I don't think it actually works either. Uh, yeah. Only for Apple. <laughs> I mean, the HTC ones that um, Shane and I have got are a very iPhone-y, apple device. I mean, it's a, it's a single shell. You can't take the battery out. You can't upgrade the RAM. Um, it's very thin design and metallic and a screen that goes right across and all of that. So it's very, which is one of the reasons why I liked it. It's very... Um, iPhone-y like, but not an iPhone. Mm. 
Yeah. When's an iPhone not an iPhone? <laughs> when it's a HTC. Now, yep. Shane, uh, you got just you got one here as well. Just a quick one, I, I would gather the Google dates for the Google the dates again for the IO. I need that. I need that. Oh, did you? Yeah, did, I thought you did. Okay, cool. Don't mind me. Yeah. All right. Between 24 to 25. Oh, sorry, I was in rewind. And uh, uh, Jason, you can keep going. What else have you got? Yeah, Tony Abbott's going to sign with the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Abbott's government has been confirmed they're getting ready to crack down on internet freedom to comply with the TPP, including a three strikes provision that forces ISPs to monitor and police our activity online. Tony Abbott's trade minister is about to sign a secret global pact to allow corporations to sue the Australian government for billions just for passing laws to protect our health or environment. Secret meeting in Singapore is happening this week, and Tony Abbott wants us to believe the 12-country Trans-Pacific Partnership is all about giving a better deal to ordinary Australians, but the truth is that it could end up being one of the biggest corporate power grabs in generation. Abbott and his cronies are refusing to make the deal public, making it hard to know what is happening, what's in the TPP. The leaks so far indicate this is bad news, and this is why Tony Abbott wants us to stay confidential. He preferred to quietly sign away our rights without a big fuss. So there's a uh, actually a petition for that you can sign and say, um, get rid of the three strikes rule. You know, other countries try it. doesn't work, and it's just a great big pain for everybody. Mm. But I think, like, more importantly there is, uh, as you... As you as you go through that, well, look, the three strikes rule, I suppose, look, at the end of the day, uh, you are stealing. I, I, I guess at the end of the day, you're stealing the, the people who are making the things, even though they're making thousands anyway, they're not getting their compensation. So I, th- I suppose you are stealing. But the important thing there is the, all this business about uh, companies being able to sue Australia. I think that's the, that's the more worrying thing. Um, because apparently it works something along the lines of, as far as what I gather, is that once we sign this treaty, uh, then because we're, we're in a free trade agreement with these other countries, then if we hamper the for the trade of such goods in this country, then the the company located in a foreign country is able to sue us for you know not living up to the free trade agreement. And specific, yeah, and this can go on into the future as well. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose a one the company that comes to mind who's been pretty active with this is the cigarette companies. Now, apparently, because uh, Philip Morris, I think it was, I think they had they they were in the US. They they they're, they're uh, situated in the US, and so they moved some operations to. We don't have a free. We didn't have a free trade agreement with the US. They moved operations to Hong Kong. Where we must, have, you know, to try and, and sneak in onto this Asia Pacific deal. So if they sneak, sure. in, yeah, so they sneak into this Asia Pacific deal, then they'll be able to sue us. I think that's where that's sort of coming from, that sort of thing. But I mean, I don't know. You sign a treaty, can't you rip it up when you? <laughs> if it doesn't go according <laughs> to plan, <laughs> yeah. Depends on what the clauses and uh, the negatives that happen on doing so. Yeah, but but who's who's gonna, you know, what are they gonna do? Shoot you? What are they country? What are they going to do? Well, we've got another three and a half years of whatever the treaty is, and unless they kick them out, yeah, you know, maybe they'll do a uh, prime minister swap and go, yeah, we're not doing that anymore because Tony's not in there. Mm-hmm. But who, I don't think... who would ever do that in mm-hmm. in Australia's history? Swap out the mm-hmm. prime minister in the middle of the term? That's never going to happen. Oh, that's never going to happen. Again. It won't happen again. I don't think that was. Yeah. Anyway, it won't uh... happen twice. Yeah, it's already no. happened a couple of times. <laughs> That's right. Won't happen three times. There won't be a World War Three. I mean, the Queen was responsible for one of them. The Queen bloody turfed one of them out. No, 
wasn't the governor general. He was. Where was yeah, his... well, he's he's the queen's representative. Yeah, but she only she just uh, took it on his word. He goes, I don't like that Kevin Rudd guy. We are not amused. Get him out of there immediately. <laughs> yeah, so she didn't have nothing to do with him. Uh, she was. Um, she was Goff Whitlam or something. Yeah, Goffy. Goff Al oh, Goff. Who, who was the who was the governor general all those years ago? Um, I know, I know his name's on the tip of tongue. that bloke, you know? Yeah, he's on Beza the... or something. Oh, I can't remember. He's on the tip of my tongue, but anyway. Yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah, poor old Goff. He got the, he got the boot. <laughs> anyway, uh, enough of that. That was oh, 35 years ago. Oh, righty. What else have we got? We got, have we got any more stories or are we just going to bang on now? Let's just bang I on. I've got it, uh, three more there if you guys want to Where jump are in they? with I any of them. I can't see them. Scroll right down the bottom. Oh, the S one. Oh, yeah, there they are. I was all that white space, Jace. All right, <laughs> we did a. We did a. I'll, I'll look. I'll take one because because I, I just want to. Uh, yeah. We did a a MBN story, so let's do another one. Maybe we overestimated Labor's MBN costs. Admits the government. Oh wow! Uh, Malcolm Turnbull's parliamentary secretary, Port Minister Paul Fletcher, has admitted that the coalition's estimate of the cost of the Labor's MBN was perhaps a little high. Um, that that's I think they estimated to be about thirty four billion uh, in the lead up to the federal election. Malcolm Turnbull and the coalition in incessantly said that the real cost of Labor's MBN would be in the order of ninety billion. That's just crazy money uh, compa- compared to Labor's own thirty nine. I think the confusion here and probably what you have to remember is that I don't like I don't think the Labor were releasing any documents, so everything was open to speculation. And and if you're going to speculate. And you want to win government, what? And you know you want to win the argument. Why not speculate ridiculously? Yeah, <laughs> you know, people believe anything. It's open to speculation. Like you had no one. Like the the labour wasn't giving you any facts. So you go well, no. ninety billion. There you go. And anybody will believe anything that's published in the Daily Tony Graph anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Turnbull's. I wish Eric was here. Yeah, where are you, Eric? Turnbull's assistant minister has now said that the MBNCO's internal review of Labor's costed uh, costed it at fifty six billion. So more than so it was somewhere in the middle. More than what Labor said, less than what the coalition said. About half what the coalition said. <laughs> but as I said, you want to win an argument and know that the other side is not providing facts. One hundred twenty billion. They forgot to carry the one, didn't they? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. But uh, but anyway, that's well, interesting. Wait. I just want who cares? Like it's been what seven years? Seven years this year since the NBN was announced. You know that it would happen. Like, are we ever going to get this thing? Is, is it? I don't think we're going to get it. And you know, at all. I think NBN's dead. No broadband network. Yeah. Well, we we must have to improve somewhere somehow. But surely there's something going to happen. Well, they announced today. Michael uh, Malcolm Turnbull announced today that uh, he's decided that the NBN guys can. Just install whatever technology they think is best for the area instead of him sitting around there going, no, I think you should have ADSL there and they've already got Optus, so pump up yeah. the HFC over there. They're like, let's let NBN do it all. So mm. hopefully the <laughs> NBN know what they're doing and we'll give the right technology. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. Fingers fingers crossed. All right, sweet. That was a quick 10 minutes. That was good. All right. You want to grab one of the stories there, Shane? Uh, let me. Is Amazon coins on. and uh, Kickstarter hacked? Oh, I don't really know the background to any of them. I never stumbled across any of those. Give me a second. 
I actually just got a um a thing from an SMS from one of my referees saying that they just got off the phone to the guy that I've got a job interview with tomorrow. Ooh, good luck. He said good things about me, apparently. The referee said, you got it between the goals. It was a touchdown. That Woo. chain guy, yeah, he's all right. Smells a bit, he's all right. It's a bit all right. <laughs> no worries, mate. Give him a job already. We'll come around and nut you one if you don't give him a job. Oh, I think what he's worrying about is me actually going to him saying, look, you bloody stuffed me out with this job. Now you owe me one. <laughs> Just remember the host file, you'll be fine. All right. Um, yeah, I can't believe I'd take that. Well, you have a read-up of the Amazon one, Shane. Do you want to yeah. take that? Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, that Litecoin bloody mining thing, if you have a look at that logo on that, um, on that bloody Machine. piece of hardware there, that looks a lot like the logo for the company, one of the sponsors of Twit. It's an older sponsor, the Starro. Looks a lot like their logo. Yeah, I don't know. But theirs is yellow. But theirs is a honeycomb-looking thing as well. Yeah. Maybe oh. it's Honeywell. All right, let's go. Let's get cracking. So, crowdfund the website. Kickstarter. Am I doing the Amazon one? Am I? Oh, it, well, I'll do this one if you want to have read up on the Amazon one. All right. So, well, me and Jay's will just talk about this crowdfunder. Yeah, and, just talk slowly. Okay. Don't stress out, Shane. That's what Jace, Jace knows about. So, okay, the pub's <laughs> open still. All right. Um, you ever heard of crowdfunding? Well, crowdfunding is where there's there's sites on the internet these days. You can jump on there. You got an idea. You got a project. You can put it out there and see if you can get any money from the crowd, the 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 general populace, if you like. And uh, you can try and do it. And just, you know, there's a there's a thing up actually on the Gold Coast at Southport on March the twenty second. Is that a Saturday? Is that a Saturday? It's on a Saturday. March the 22nd. Let me have a look. I'll lose my mouse over three screens. Uh, March the 22nd is a Saturday. I was right. How's that? So on March the 22nd, there is something on the Gold Coast, some Kickstarter, uh, I mean, some uh, crowdfunding thing. What do you call it? Conference thing. A, a tutorial thing. You know, learn, go to learn how to do stuff. Go and learn how to crowdfund. Seminar. Seminar thing, that's it. So, you know, I think it's only, I think you've got to pledge 20 bucks and you get a ticket for morning and afternoon session. So, if you're interested in crowdfunding and you may be, I don't know, this next story probably doesn't really go too much about crowdfunding, but, uh, but yeah, but anyway, uh, this next story is all about crowdfunding website kickstart, Kickstarter hacked. Well, oh what a mouthful. Uh, Kickstarter, the fundraising platform used by millions, and that's one of those websites, you know, what I was talking about has uh, uh, people to raise capital for creative projects and businesses said on Saturday that hackers had gained access to some of its customers' data earlier this week, but that the breach were, had been repaired. There's a lot of that going around uh, because, look, I've got some very strange emails today because I've, I've built a site up on the Magento Go platform, you know, like an, an e-commerce store there. And I, I because I still look after it, you know, and I log into it and, you know, it's still I'm still attached to it. And then today... I get these two emails. Oh, thanks for uh, opening up a new store, and you know your next payment will be here, and this it'll be debited from your credit card there. And I go, ooh, I didn't do that. I've been, you know, I was I was out working. I wasn't setting up e-commerce stores. What's going on? And so look, I just forwarded it over to them and said, what's going on here? Uh, I checked me bank, me credit cards, and luckily it wasn't the one that was on the on the email. So I'm not sure what was going on there, uh, but. 
things get hacked. Sony's been hacked. Uh, the Kickstarter things Target. been hacked. Target's been hacked. Everyone's targeted Target. Uh, but no credit card data. Oh, it's the same story, isn't it? No credit card data was ever accessed. No way. No key. No way. No way. Uh, there's no evidence of unauthorized activity. Blah, blah, blah. But, um, but yeah, so that's that's it. Anything, Jace, did you want to go further into that one? Or is that yeah, just... I actually like Kickstarter. I've got a few projects there I'm supporting. There's one called uh, From Bedroom to Billions. It's uh, going to be recording uh, videos for of the... Um, 8-bit game, 8-bit, 16-bit game revolution in Europe starting back in the 1980s, start of the 1980s, and they're interviewing a lot of the programmers, musicians and such from uh, Commodore 64, Atari, Amiga, BBC, all of those, and uh, they're going to put together a production there, and uh, depending on how much you support them, you can get uh, T-shirts, you can get posters, you can get original soundtracks that are being made just for the film by these uh, old uh, 8-bit artists. So I've got that one funded. Uh, there's another one from Houston Company that was a popular Commodore 64 game company back in the time. They're making a book on what it was like uh, making games back then. And also another one that I'm supporting is called Hello Ruby, which uh, has a storybook about this girl called Ruby and it teaches kids about computers, the internet, programming, that sort of thing in a kid-friendly way. comes with a little workbook to help instruct the kids but it's got a story about this girl called ruby which of course is a language called ruby that's where she got the idea from and that uh, just takes this girl on adventures through the world but uh, the things that she encounters and things she does is based on computer logic and things but just sounds like a story to kids and they don't know they're learning yeah nice oh that's all right so tell me more about the the movie interview documentary thing uh so when you do crowdfund something like you've what you've tipped in like whatever 20 bucks whatever whatever it might be so you tip in some money and do your pledge. Now, and the thing gets made in the case of a movie. Now, does, does that entitle you to any further benefits? Like, do you get a free rental or anything like that? Or um, it's just that just be just Well, the movie that... is made in, a, in several formats. Uh, I've just paid for the digital format, so I'll be able to download it once it's released. And right. I'm also getting uh, the soundtracks that were created for the movie. But uh, you could also uh, pay extra money to get uh, hard copies, DVD, Blu-ray copies of them if you wanted to archive it, which, of course, comes with extra footage that they didn't put in the actual movie. Right. Um, they actually had uh, Commodore 64s and Ataris and things that were signed by the people who made games back in the time. So you could get a Commodore 64 signed by Ben Daglish and Rob Hubbard, a couple of musicians. Yeah, nice. Uh, you could get a, get an Atari that was signed by one of the Atari programmers and musicians. Uh, pretty rare, mm. but uh, yeah. I didn't have the money for those, unfortunately. <laughs> they would have been great perks. I'd love to have a Commodore 64 signed by Ben Daglish and Rob Hubbard. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I might start up an Aussie Tech Head crowdfund and... Oh, I don't know. Yeah, well, you don't you don't uh, take the money until you hit your <laughs> hit your goal. If you don't hit your goal, you don't get the money. So um, that way, it encourages you to market yourself a lot more. There's places like Indiegogo where you say pledge fifty bucks, and then uh, when it times out, if you didn't get all the all the uh, amount that you wanted, say you're after ten grand or something, you only got five grand where you can take the money and run with that one. Okay, so so even though you, so is the money held in escrow, or the pledges don't are not required to be made until the, the target's been hit. That's right for Kickstarter, yeah. So that was how Pebble was originally funded was through Kickstarter. It was their biggest funded project. Yeah, right. Okay. So you could have it. It's it's a it's a pledge like a donation, I suppose, of sorts. So then, but you could have reniggers 
that that'd be yeah. on the cards. Yeah, yeah, all right. All right, uh, cool. Thanks, Jace. Now, uh, Shane, I think we've got a, a quick little one to finish off the show with. And it's all do yep, about we do. Amazons or something. It's, what is it about? Yes, Amazon um, are into coins as well, like Bitcoin and a whole bunch of other people. Everyone's doing uh, digital currency these days. Ooh. Amazon coins, the virtual currency introduced by the e-commerce giant last spring, are now available and on Android devices, including both smartphones and tablets in the US, UK and Germany. This is the first time coins have been offered outside the Kindle Fire tablets, which is where they first were launched. The goal of the coins to date has been multifold, to encourage developers to build for the Amazon Kindle platform, to reduce the sticker shock uh, of paying for the things in dollars, uh, something that Android users seem especially sensitive to in comparison with other iOS um, counterparts and to increase the revenue generating opportunities for both developers and Amazon. The idea is to get consumers to think for paying, uh, paying for purchases as not as 99 cent downloads, uh, but rather than a number of coins they deduct from a, a bigger stockpile. It's an idea that's hold, hold over from console and PC gaming platforms, but one, of, um, but, but one that is not offered today on either Apple or Google's official app store. Customers can earn coins by shopping for either apps from Amazon's App Store, earning achievements in um, select titles. Currently, over 3,800 apps are listed, and they can buy them directly at a 10% discount. Mm. More, uh, the more coins you buy, the larger the discount, which encourages users to purchase uh, purchase the currency in bigger quantities. 100 coins uh, are worth a dollar. Oh, no, we keep... Coins can be, yeah. No, keep going. I think it's just like Microsoft points, which is interesting that they're going this way because Microsoft just gone away from Microsoft co yes. points and back to normal money. So oh, it didn't not? work for them. And so I don't know. I think they're trying to disassociate the value of things so that you don't say, oh, I'm spending $5 on this game. Instead, you're spending 500 coins, which is essentially mm. the same thing, but they're hoping you'll disassociate in your brain and just buy lots of Amazon stuff. Look, something, something everyone's getting the coins, as uh, Shane was saying. We've got uh, coin, Bitcoins, Litecoins, Amazon coins. I'll tell you another coin that you're going to have to go and get it. Eh? I've just looked it up on the internet and I'll show you right now. It's the Doctor Who coins straight out of New Zealand. Now, there's heaps of them there. Look at them all. Look at them all. Every single doctor in a coin. How good's that, eh? So I think Australia put out a coin as well for the 50th anniversary, but it was two years, like $600. And it was gold, though. But uh, look, let's, let's to give you an idea of how much these are, because I don't know. This is the first time I've looked at this site here as well. We're at the, if you just Google Doctor Who New Zealand coins, I'm sure you're going to find it. Let's go. Who's, who's my favourite? Tom go. Baker. Where is Tom Baker? He's not there. No, no. Oh, he might be out here. You might need to scroll him. Yeah, I need to scroll him. So find there out we more. Go. Let's have a. We'll find out more. How much are they? Sixty-four bucks Australian. Well, that's not that's, that's not out of reach. Oh, plus seventy dollars. Oh, seventy dollars. What's this? Plus shipping. Oh, seventy dollars New Zealand. Okay, sixty-four dollars uh, Australian. That's not. Oh, you got Davros in the background there. Geez, that's not bad, no. eh? That's nice. That's nice. Uh, what, oh, look, at, oh, look at this about the design. It's giving Why do you have to tell me this for my bank account's <laughs> going to be drained? <laughs> oh, now look, I think let's have a look at the the the, uh, the gold nugget of a coin here because uh, there's a one ounce gold Doctor Who coin. Okay, one ounce. What do you reckon? What's an ounce of gold worth these days? 
That must be up around... A oh, few hundred? 200, isn't it like 800? I said a, no, like a few hundred. <laughs> Let's have a look. Not 200. Opening up. Hundred. Oh, $2,815. Whoa. Wowzers. Doctor Who, oh, that's the anniversary coin. Wowzers. But there you go, hey? Oh, look at that. If I had $64.62, I'd buy one. There's uh, Doctor Who 50th anniversary. There's Monsters and Daleks. All the doc. Oh, there's a little, like a fob watch full of full of them. How, is that the whole lot? Is it the whole set? Oh, Jace, $645. Bargain. Yeah, there you go. And that in, what does that include? Is that everything? 11. Oh, that's 11 ounces. But that's all of them. Except the gold one, of course. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Oh, it must be a new one. Capaldi's not in there, is he? All right. Uh, no. But we digress. Well, there's a Dalek one. How much is a Dalek one? Oh, oh, 64, 62, the same. How good are they? Jace, if you get one, can you buy me one? <laughs> okay. Good present for my daughter. <laughs> yeah, how good are they, eh? Uh, 64 bucks. Sweet Don't ass. Don't spend it all in one place. <laughs> all right, well, on that, oh, yeah, well, I'm out to buy one. I'm, we're ending the show right this minute. All right, so thanks for joining us, wherever you may have listened to us, so on the iTunes, on the Phase FM network, or through the Aussie Tech Radio, wherever you are, thanks for listening, and I hope you had a good, uh, good past whatever time you spent listening. Okay, and what else? That's about it. So thanks, Jase. Keep for an eye out for our free apps. Oh, exactly. Thank you. Reminds me every week, uh, facebook.com uh, forward slash Aussie Tech Ads every day. If there's something if something that you know, takes our interest, there's an Android free app of the day, normally you pay for, and an iOS app, normally you pay for, but free on that day. So if you don't get them on that day, bad luck, but see if you can, because they'd be good. Okay, so, all right, good stuff. So, thanks, Jace. Thanks for coming in. And, uh, no worries. We'll, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for coming in. We'll see you next week as well. Yeah, no absolutely. Doubts. Good stuff. And hoping to be heard by you next week also. So, thanks for all the birthday wishes. Bye-bye from us. Ta-da. Ta-da.